Today we're going to talk about folkloric approach to classroom management and discipline. It's the shortest, simplest of the five approaches, and I'm going to cover it in just a few minutes. Um, folkloric means the body of information, culture, um, how to do stuff type knowledge, procedural knowledge that a culture develops and transmits generally, usually, orally, or informally. So the term is my own. You probably won't find it used anywhere else. It refers to teacher how to do it knowledge. If you want a fancy name, you could call it simple, a theoretical pragmatism. The key words are try it. Just try it. Whatever. Try something. See if it works. And if it doesn't work, try something else. That's what we're talking about, just a very simple, basic, common sense approach to teaching, running classrooms, and dealing with child behavior. I'm going to give you some examples. The first example would be learning by an apprenticeship model. And the best example is student teaching. You go into student teaching, you work under the supervision of a master teacher as an apprentice, you uh, follow instructions, you try things out, the master teacher critiques what you do, shows you examples, helps you. Again, a folkloric approach, no theory to it, just practical focus on get in there, do it, try it, see if it works, if it doesn't, take some critiquing from the teacher, try again, do it another way. That's a folkloric approach or an apprentice model. Uh, a second example might be um, some of the articles many of you choose to uh, summarize and evaluate are what you might call tips for teachers. Uh, seven ways to make your classroom run more smoothly. And when you look at the article, it's very much like a recipe, uh, a set of steps or a set of things to try. Um, there'll be a do this, do this, do this, don't do this. Not much explanation of why. No bigger theory, no bigger framework to fit it into. Uh, just do this, do this, do this. And by the way, those articles vary widely in quality. Um, when my students turn them in and I read them, I find some are quite good. Do this, do this, do this, do this. Good, solid advice. Some are kind of flaky. There's somebody's advice to other people. And the person may or may not know what he or she is talking about, may not know how to communicate it well to other people, and so it may just be sort of, um, in my opinion, not very reliable. So be careful of cookbook approaches, uh, these, these lists of techniques and tips. Another example might be collections of um, what people often call make and take stuff. Uh, for example, you can find books that have 42 different ways to take a role in a classroom. And they'll list uh, an idea and describe it, and then they'll list another idea and describe it. Um, there will be materials that you can photocopy and cut and paste and make things uh, for your classroom, visual aids, you name it. 
just sort of practical do it stuff. Um, how to make laminated Snoopies to uh, teach one digit addition. That, that sort of thing, just real simple do it stuff. That can be very handy. Also, you will find that things in these collections or recipes or cookbooks can be related to some of the more theoretical approaches. For example, you may find um, some suggestions for good ways to take up homework that fit with a managerial approach because they make that process or that procedure, which is a peripheral activity, you got to do it, but it's not really a learning activity to take up homework. It makes that uh, particular routine or procedure simple and easy, so it minimizes the peripheral activity and maximizes instructional time. But there's nothing in the article or the book or the booklet that talks about that. It's just a tip. Here's a way to do this. All right. My third example, uh, you will find in the online course, I have put uh, a document called SOS, Survival of Substitutes. And I'd like to take a look at it, both for the content and as an example of a folkloric approach. So let's see if we can look at this document. All right, here it is. Now, you may not be able to read it. That doesn't matter. It's available on the, on the website. Um, it's got a cute name. I'm just going to sort of do some chattering here and analyze it. If you go all the way to the bottom, you will find that I got it from the National Education Association and the Tennessee Education Association. It's just a little thing they've manufactured and put out to assist teachers. So it is professional wisdom uh, among teachers, uh, folklore, teacher culture, and they are sharing it with you just as a little service. So here's teacher folklore. And it's a list of what to do uh, to help your substitute teachers survive. I have modified it somewhat. So if, if, you, if it's important for you to find the original document, uh, you could do a little comparison. I've add to, added to it here and there. Um, and I gave credit to my source down here. Since it's a very practical thing that they distribute widely, I don't believe uh, they will mind that I've taken some liberties with it. So here's a list of things to collect and place in a folder for substitute teachers. As you may know, substitute teaching is uh, sort of combat duty. You go in, um, unless you've done a lot of substituting in this school and in this classroom for this teacher, you go in cold into a new situation. Um, kids are smart. Uh, they, they know when fresh meat walks through the door. And so they may give you a really hard time. So here's some things that you as a classroom teacher can do to help your substitutes. So things to collect and place in a folder for substitute teachers. Schedule of classes, and then it gets some details. Regular classes, special classes, daytime, alternate plan in case of cancellations. All right, next. Names and schedules of students who leave the classroom for special reasons, blah, blah, blah. Class roles, including seating charts, opening activities, what the substitute has to do at the beginning of the day, or the beginning of each class. Absentee reports, procedures for reporting lunch count. So the sub knows uh, he or she has to take attendance. 
here's the form for reporting absentees, and here's the class role. So you can take the class role, figure out who's absent, write it on the sheet, and, uh, and you leave instructions, whatever the sub is supposed to do with that sheet. Uh, lesson plans are where to find the plan book. Then the next one, either, I cannot remember, either I added to the original act, uh, item or I have uh, expanded, you know, I've created it. Alternate plans in case the lesson depends on resources only you have. You may be in, right in the middle of a unit that really only you can teach. For you to explain to a substitute where to pick up with your lessons and how to carry them forward for that unit is just not going to work. And you don't always know when you're going to get sick. So, you know, you wake up Monday morning with a migraine headache so bad you can't see straight. Uh, you've got to cope. So you prepare some lessons and set them aside. And then I've given you the characteristics of them. Prepare lessons that are not part of a unit. That they are easy to manage. So a sub can handle them pretty well. And likely to keep your students engaged in worthwhile educational activities. They will use the time well. You'll keep your students engaged. Easy for the sub to manage. Something that, knowing your students, you think they're pretty likely to become engaged in. So that they will behave. They will stay on task. They will not drive the sub wild. And they'll actually learn something. They'll actually get some good out of the time. Put these lessons instructions in all materials, everything that goes with the lesson, where the substitute can find them. Basically, what I'm telling you is to create some of these simple lessons, box them up like a little kit, and put, away, put them away where a sub can easily find them. And then I've got another little tip. You can also use these lessons yourself on days when you feel ill or some event makes your instruction difficult. Uh, you decide that um, the headache's not too bad and you can go to work and you can make it through the day, but you're not in top form. You can pull out one of these simple, easy to manage lessons, explain to your students that you're going to do something a little different today, and you can survive and get through the rest of the day. Or something happens in the school that gets students all agitated and upset and excited. There's, I don't know, the um, steam pipes down the hall explode and blow a hole in the wall. And fortunately, nobody's hurt, but you can't get your third period class to settle down. Pull out one of these easy-to-manage lessons. Or it could be something that makes them very angry or unhappy or, or, or worried, whatever. Some easy to manage lessons so you can calm them down, uh, make good use of the time, keep your students calm. Then there's a, a list of other things, classroom rules, discipline procedures, uh, AV material instructions, uh, schedules for aides, volunteers, names of pupils who can be depended on to help, etc., etc. It just goes on and on and on and on. Names of faculty and staff likely to be encountered. For example, you might leave the sub a note saying that if you have any trouble or uh, need any information, ask Ms. Byerly 
who was in the classroom immediately across the hall. So that kind of helped for your sub. All right, that's all this is. Now the material is very useful, and I gave it to you for that value. But also, it's a real good example of a folkloric approach. Teacher wisdom, you know, do this, do this, do this, try this, do, you know, do all sorts of things. Um, but pay attention to what master teachers do and how they do it and ask them questions. But particularly beginners, um, sometimes young people don't have a whole lot of respect for uh, their elders. But if you're a beginning teacher and you go into your first teaching assignment or student teaching with the attitude that you know it all and you got the current stuff and, and these, you know, usually ladies, uh, some of them are men, but you know, these old ladies who've been there a million years, they're just out of date and all of that. What you will find is that some of those older women really know what they're doing and they make it look easy. If you, you go in their classrooms, you think, well, my goodness, children are wonderful. They just, they just run the classroom and everything's so calm and peaceful. And that's not the case at all. Those teachers know how to set up and run a classroom set up a good system, lock it into place from day one, you know, all the things we've been talking about, ask them questions. Watch what they do, but also talk about it with them. And sometimes they have trouble. Some of them have trouble explaining why they do something. But, you know, if you just ask them, why do you start your class that way? Uh, why do you, why do you um, uh, not allow your students to ask questions when they first start working on seat work? Why do you wait to make them wait a little bit before they start asking questions? Uh, whatever the teacher does, talk to them, watch them, look how they stand, look how they walk, look how they supervise, look how they interact with, te with, with children, and also look at multiple teachers, okay, to get those good ideas. Uh, and what you will be doing is picking up teacher folklore, you will be using a folkloric approach. That's all there is to it. Try it. See if it works. If it doesn't work, try something else. That's it.